You're listening to episode 13 of the Floxy Hope Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Floxy Hope Podcast. My name is Lisa Bloomquist and I'm your host. Today we have Kim with us. Kim is a has been a Floxy for about two years and she will tell us her story about getting Floxed and what she has done over the last couple of years. But before we do that, um, Kim, welcome to the show and tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Lisa. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, let's see, what can I tell you about myself? I am originally from Boston, and I currently live in Florida. I have been here for 19 years. I'm 53 years old. Um, out of the last 17 years, I have been, um, I was the director of sales and marketing for several Orlando golf courses. Very busy job, kept me busy 24-7, which I absolutely love. Um, obviously, I haven't done that in a while, but um, I like to be with people. I went to broadcasting school years ago, so um, I used to be really shy, but I kind of got over it when I went through broadcasting school. So um, I just love being able to help people with anything, and um, obviously, like I said, in the last two years, I really haven't worked, so I do the best I can just to keep myself occupied Well, thank you for for helping people by being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. So why don't don't you tell us all a little bit about your journey and and how you got foxed, first off? Well, um, this was back in 2013. I was sick with bronchitis in August of 2013. And I went to my doctor, and it took a couple of weeks and a couple of tries with different antibiotics. And he finally put me on Leviquin and a steroid. And at the time, I was concerned about being on a steroid. I had never heard any, anything bad about Leviquin. Um, unfortunately, I've taken antibiotics my whole entire life. And when I said to him, I'm really not sure I want to take those, he literally just said to me, well, do you want to get better or what? And because my job was so busy, I really couldn't afford to lose any time off work. So I took them. And... I really didn't have any immediate effects. Um, like I said, that was August of 2013. My first true effect wasn't until the beginning of October. But now that I look back, I know that I had a few signs. Um, for example, my hand, when I went to write, my hand wouldn't work, if that makes any sense. It was like my brain wouldn't tell my hand to write, and I had a hard time even writing my name. Um, anyway, at the beginning of October... 2013, I had a horrible headache for about three days, and I took Advil, a lot of Advil. I don't know if that set everything off. I've I've heard that might do it, but I literally felt sick to my stomach, nauseous, tingly, dizzy, numb, and I passed out. Mm. And when I passed out, um, my husband saw me go down, but he thought I was leaning over to pick up something. So it took him a good minute to get to me. And he said I looked like I was having almost an epileptic seizure. I don't remember it. Um, I got up. I passed out again. I got sick to my stomach. And that's what started the whole entire thing. Um, I think I was dizzy for a couple of weeks. And then I had another attack at work with um, uncontrollable shaking. It was... It was mostly numbness from my knees down and then my hands and my shoulders and then this overall nausea and foggy, dizzy feeling. And then I would pass out. 
and I ended up in the hospital. That was my first time in the hospital. Um, like I said, it goes on and on. I got every test in the book. I had EKGs. I had halter monitors. I had EEGs. Um, no one ever could even think that this is what it might have been. They couldn't really find anything wrong with me except that some vitamin levels were off. I think I was low in potassium at the time. Um, and my, my blood pressure was low. My blood pressure was always low. It never affected me, though. Um, and that went on, literally seeing numerous doctors. Oh, they also found, with all the MRIs they, they took, they also found um, lesions on my liver, cysts on my liver. They found a bunch of back disease, degenerative disc disease, um, annual tears, goiters on my thyroid. Nothing I knew I had inside my body. Before all this happened, I was a very healthy 51-year-old, believe it or not. I was like at the um, prime of my life. I was walking every night. I was um, I was actually going to Weight Watchers to lose some weight. I had lost 30 pounds. And that all changed. It all changed in that first day in October. Um, and I am not exaggerating when I tell you I literally was on my couch from October to probably February. Um, I had to call the 911 on myself twice because I had to get to the hospital and I couldn't even get in anyone's car to even get there. I was hospitalized twice. Um, they put me on, I think at the time, Meclodine and Zofran because I was, I was nauseous and dizzy. And I have been to the Mayo Clinic. They did not do anything or find anything. Stop me if I'm going on too long. No, no, you're you're fine. You're fine. Like, isn't it just so frustrating when all of these tests come back saying, like, you're fine. You're the picture of health. And you just go, like, well, then what is wrong with me? Exactly. And it just makes it makes you realize, or at least it made me realize, that the tests are just woefully un inadequate. If you can't get off the couch and you have to call 911 on yourself because you can't drive, then there is something seriously wrong with you. Like, like there's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like, there's, there's something really serious going on. It, it wasn't even like I couldn't, can't even drive because I still don't drive. It was literally I could not stand myself up without passing out. So anybody could have been here and said, let me take you to the hospital. And I couldn't do it. I, they, they had to lay me down, bring me in. I could not stand up. And I, um, I saw neurologists. I had... Um, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I forget the name of the test. ENG, the, the nerve conduction test? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what they're called, to tell you the truth. I know, I, I can't believe I forget it. But I have, the, I have the nerve conduction test, and I finally found a second neurologist. The first neurologist was completely useless. There was nothing, nothing they could find. Um, she, she found out, she, I tested positive, and she was actually surprised. She looked at me like, wow, this usually doesn't come back this positive. And she tested my blood levels, and I was toxic for vitamin B6. And you had you had too much or too little? I had too much. I was double. I think my my numbers were double what they should be for B6. That's, so that's fascinating and and really bizarre. It's it's very bizarre because most people, if they have a toxic vitamin in them, it's supposed to be water soluble, and it'll just you'll just release it. And I never took a supplement, never took a vitamin, and just from food, I got B6 toxicity. So at the time, this was, this was in March of 2004, 
I was never so happy to finally get a diagnosis. I thought this was it. This was my answer. I still didn't know anything about fluoroquinolone at this time. It still didn't even enter the picture. And she said to me, you just need to cut back on your B6 foods, and I want to give you gabapatin. That'll help with your numbness and tingling. The one thing I can say is I never had pain. I see so many people now who have pain and they can't walk. I never had pain. Um, I never had torn tendons. That just started a couple of months ago, actually. But back then, I didn't have that. Mm. So I, I listened to her and I said, oh, thank you. You found something. This is what's going on with me. And I literally ate hot dogs and rice noodles for a month because everything has B6 in it. And it was a ridiculous diet that I was on. Right. Um, the gabapatin made me feel horrible. I had every side effect possible. And I told her, I can't take this anymore. And she said to me, well, then I want to put you on Lyrica. And I said, absolutely not. By this time, I, was, I, I learned a lesson. You don't just listen to doctors. You have to be your own advocate. And I knew the side effects. I knew I didn't have pain. And I said, I, I'm not going on Lyrica. And she said, well, then I guess I can't help you. And I was done with her. Really? Um, you were you were fired essentially from I from her practice exactly. for not for not taking Lyrica. And and Lyrica has some really hefty side effects. Like it's it's a perfectly reasonable thing to do to say like no, I don't want to take that. You know, people people gain 30 pounds in 15 days on Lyrica. People have suicidal ideations on Lyrica. And not that it's not that it's a drug that's horrible for everyone. I'm sure that that it can help some people, but it's not an unreasonable thing to do to say, I'm not going to take that. And to get kicked out of someone's practice and to have her say, like, I'm just not going to help you anymore because you're not going to take this drug. That just seems so, like, that's just so bizarre and, like, offensive to me. It was so disappointing, too, because I really thought she had the answer. Little did I know she wasn't even close. But I thought she had the answer, so I was very disappointed and felt like I was back to point zero, you know, ground zero, where it was just I had to start all over again. Um, and I think as I was researching foods low in B6, I think that's when I first came across fluoroquinolone toxicity. And that's when that entered my life and I put everything together. Um, in the meantime, I had my, my pri um, primary physician do my blood work and not the normal blood work. I had her test everything and my vitamin K levels were toxic. And I had to stop eating all green leafy vegetables. If I have a bowl of spinach, my vitamin K goes up to eight or 900, which is way over the limit. Um, and we still don't have an answer for that. I still don't know why. But everything kind of um, started, I'd say March or April of 2014 is when I started doing research. And I'm sure you've heard this before. For me, it's very hard to understand the research because my brain just doesn't want to comprehend it. I just can't think or, or understand a lot of it. I'm so impressed by anybody who can. Um, and of course, everyone thought I was crazy saying that I was poisoned by an antibiotic, but everything came into place. When I think about it, even before 2013, I had taken it before and I had pulled tendons in my shoulder for no reason, just thinking, oh, I'm getting old. You know, I was 48 thinking, oh, I'm getting old. My shoulder hurts. Um, so after that, that is when I started on my own kind of diet. Um, I still didn't take any supplements. My doctor had actually put me on Valium and Zoloft, very low doses, because he said together they will decrease dizziness. Um, I 
tried to get a tilt table test. I don't know if you've heard of that or had that. I, I have heard of it. I haven't had it, but that's how they diagnose POTS. Right. Well, I live in Florida, and there's not one doctor here that will do it or has heard of it. Um, friends of mine from back home, the very first time I was in the hospital, they said, you need a tilt table test. And luckily, with the help of my mom, I went back to Boston, stayed with her, and got an appointment at one of the best hospitals up in Boston with a neurologist. And I had the tilt table test. This was in March or April of 2014. And it was positive. I almost passed out. They actually had to stop the test. My blood pressure went down to 70 over 20. And my heart rate dropped as well. So I was diagnosed with neurally mediated syncope, which simply means your heart rate and blood pressure don't work well together and you pass out. And she told me to drink more water, eat salt, which I never did. I never used salt. I guess my, I guess I was completely dehydrated. Um, wear compression socks and pretty much that was it. She did tell me on the phone, it's not in my record. She called me and she said, I believe you had a toxin in your body that wreaked havoc with your nervous system. And that's when I started my investigation on chloroquine and all of that. And some of the stuff that I've read recently and, and blogged about a little bit uh, about the uh, vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is a nerve that connects your brain to basically all of your organs. But, but it's, what, it's the nerve pathway between your brain and your gut. And so when you have kind of a gut feeling, that's traveling from your brain to your gut and, 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 vice, and vice versa. And your, your vagus nerve also controls your autonomic nervous system. And it coordinates things like your heart rate in your blood pressure. And I really wonder if fluoroquinolones pretty thoroughly mess up the vagus nerve. And I'm not sure if they do that through through messing up the microbiome or if it's or if it's uh, through the mitochondria or exactly what the pathway is, but it makes sense that fluoroquinolones um, really mess up the vagus nerve because so many people, so many foxies have horrible pox. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and, or, and even if they're not diagnosed with POTS, at least you were you were kind of lucky enough to have the have the test and have it have it validated. But uh, but a lot of people just have these horrible POTS-like symptoms that that are are um, that are disabling and horrible. That's pretty much my main symptom. That is the the thing that bothers me the most. Um, the numbness, the tingliness, it, it depends on what I eat. It depends on what I do. It depends on if I got enough sleep. I, almost two years later, I'm learning what I need to do to have a good day. Um, I still, like I said, don't have any kind of life. I, um, I'm trying to think now. I'm kind of stuck between April of 2014. I, I did start going to acupuncture. And she... All of my symptoms were kind of like that of Lyme disease, which a lot of us have thyroid issues and Lyme disease. And these are all issues I never had before I took the Leviquin. And I took the generic Leviquin the last time I took it. Um, but like I said, looking through my life, I, always, I was always the one that got that odd sickness. You know, I never just got a cold. I always got something weird. And I think they've bothered me before. But when I took it with the steroid... Um, I had also been around a bunch of pesticides because we had um, my poor dog got a tick infestation in my house for four months, was just being invaded with pesticides. All that together, they said just it was like a bomb went off in my body and everything just changed. 
I always had low blood pressure. It never bothered me at any time in my life did I ever pass out from low blood pressure. Um, when I was in the hospital two times, they came running in in the middle of the night because my heart rate dropped to 40-something. And they were like, are you okay? And I said, well, you tell me. <laughs> you know what? what right. What <laughs> and, and they never did anything about it. I, I said, if I get one more EKG, I'm going to scream because it's not my heart. You know, it's like, so um, that's what I did. For about six months, I went to acupuncture, and she treated me for kind of Lyme, gut, all of that, you know, everything we all try to heal our gut and all of that um, for dizziness, just to get things moving, give me more energy. And finally, I found a functional medicine doctor here in Florida that I decided to go to. Um, like, like most of us, we have a million medical bills and you just, you, you have to stop sometime. You just can't afford it anymore. And it's so just depressing when you go and they don't have an answer. Um, but this woman has been great with me. She took a bunch of tests and I'm on a bunch of supplements right now and trying different diets. And honestly, I'm a thousand times better than I was two years ago, but I'm, I, I'm still not, I'm still not right. And I still have questions and still need answers. And um, it gets discouraging, you know. So. Absolutely. So what what has helped the, that the functional medicine doctor has put you on or, or suggested you do? To me, it's definitely diet. I know that if I eat, like I said, I'm kind of limited with what I can eat. I can't eat green leafy vegetables, so I can't have a healthy green kale shape. I... I'm not sure if there's anything I'm allergic to food-wise. That's my next step. But I do know that if I eat too many foods with B6 or vitamin K, my numbness in my room comes back. Um, I know when she started me on magnesium, I, I don't think I can take magnesium. I get really numb and tingly, and it's mainly from my knees down, my hands, and my shoulders. Um, the dizziness that I thought would never go away, and it wasn't a vertigo dizziness, that after about a year, I finally realized, oh, my head doesn't feel like that anymore. I don't have that floating head feeling. I don't know what I did to fix that. I don't know if it was the increased water, increased salt, compression socks, maintaining my blood pressure. I don't know what, what helped that, but thank goodness it went away. Um, like I said, I just pretty much, and, and she took, she had a hair analysis. If anyone has ever had a hair analysis, I recommend it highly because I literally have a 40-page book just on me from my hair analysis. And it showed me how I oxidize my food. Um, I have aluminum in my tissues. I have arsenic in my body. Um, what, what kinds of food and minerals and vitamins and things I should stay away from. And it's amazing. It's scary, but it's amazing. Um, so that, that is a test I recommend highly. I think I actually posted that online on one of our pages. If anybody needs help with a doctor that can help them with that. So right that, that, that'd be great. Like if you could send that to me, then I could put it in the, in the post when I post up this, this interview, this podcast, and, and then other people will be able to access that. That'd be wonderful, Kim. Definitely will. Like I said, it's, it's a, it's a 40 page guide to what is wrong with me. And when I first read it, it kind of gives you you know, you doubt yourself so much. I do. I doubt myself going, maybe I just do have something else. You know, if, if, if someone can't diagnose this as this, which most doctors obviously don't, you doubt yourself and you think, you know, 
am I being hypochondriac? I know, I know my friends and family, I love them to death and they love me, but after two years of this, they're kind of over it. You know, I get the support, but I, I don't blame them. They're kind of over, I can't go out Friday night. No, I can't go out Tuesday night. Well, if you want to go out Tuesday at 6, I'll let you know at 5.30 if I feel well enough to go out. And it's, it's very frustrating. Right, right. It's really hard for people to understand invisible illnesses. And especially, I think that we're programmed as humans to not really understand chronic illnesses either. That our ancestors, either they were sick and dying or they were alive and well. And this day and age where we're constantly getting bombarded by poisons and people are chronically ill is something that is very new to humanity. And I think that we just don't we haven't figured out how to deal with it and people don't understand it at all and they don't understand it until it's until it's happened to them and it's it's really hard like i know that my family was all they 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 were all wonderful they were all very supportive they've they've become more and more understanding honestly the more that i've written about it the more understanding they've they've become but i i, I think that they were just like no you're you're strong and healthy like you're in your early 30s, you're fine. And, and it was just really difficult for people to understand that that you may look okay, but you're not actually okay. It's right. tough. And it's very lonely. It is. It's very lonely. Um, people don't understand, you know, the, the, the six, seven months that I just laid on the couch watching TV and just waited for the day to go by, and the holidays went by, and I would look at people who were even walking, and I'd, I'd say, you have no idea how lucky you are just to be able to walk right now. And I'd hear someone complain that they had a cold. And I was like, seriously, <laughs> you have no idea. It made me way more sympathetic to, to sick people and people who are just home alone. And that's what I said when I said I like to help people. This happened to me for a reason. My job used to be so busy. I literally never sat still. And I, I, I didn't know how to sit still. I would go to the beach and I, I couldn't even sit, you know, I just, I, it was that kind of person. And I've done nothing but sit for two years. And it makes me think of all the other people who are in the same predicament. And maybe in that house, someone's just sitting alone all day. And there's something that I want to do. I don't know what it is yet, but there's something in my heart that I want to do to make this all better for everybody. You know, some kind of, I can't explain, but that's, that's my goal now to get myself better not really to educate a lot of people because people still can't even understand why they can have a hamburger and french fries for dinner and I have to stop a organic grass-fed ground meat with zucchini, you know, and cook all my meals and eat special and not have a glass of wine or I'm going to feel horrible tomorrow. And I was a big wine drinker, so that's really tough. Right, right. All of these things that, that the sickness has taken away from you. It's just, yeah. it's just brutal. And you know, it would be nice if we could gain some empathy and compassion for people who are chronically ill and going through mysterious illnesses and who are who are housebound and and who are exhausted through ways other than having it happen to us. Right. <laughs> you, right. you know, but but at the but at the same time I really do think that the connections that we gain from from actually empathizing with other people and the connections we gain through through these friendships that we form with people on the other side of the country or on the other side of the world because we have something in common now. I think that, that those things are worth something and they give us some power and they give us some purpose and they and they they help the, make the world a better place, even though we're we're all fighting a pretty hard 
hard battle. Like not just for our health, but but just the general direction of the of of the world is not toward um, more compassion and understanding and care for people who are chronically ill. Exactly. That was the perfect word, a purpose. So if there's anything, we all have a purpose to just help others. Um, And like I said, I've learned so much through, you know, everything you've done for, for Floxy Hope and every, everyone else on our, on our four quinolone pages. Um, I've learned so much, sometimes too much. Sometimes it's just overwhelming. But um, as long as I think the best thing to do is obviously not stress, even though that sounds hard. I think stress makes me worse. I know that. Um, like I'll, okay. I'll say an amen to that. Stress makes absolutely everything worse, whether it's the cortisol th- flowing through your veins or if it's the increased heart rate or maybe it's something to do with the vagus nerve. Stress makes everything worse. And just telling people, well, just don't stress out. Like that's, that's just not, it's not helpful. But, but the things that people can do, things like meditating, things like um, getting off of the internet for a while, reading a good book, going to the beach if you can, or, or you know, some sort, of, some sort of happy place, praying. I don't, I don't know. Whatever, whatever works for every individual to minimize stress, I think it's incredibly important. And your body can be stressed without you feeling stressed. I'll mention my hair analysis again. And in one part, it said that my hair tissue mineral analysis indicated that my body is presently in the exhaustion stage of stress. And that simply means that my body is just fighting to heal itself. And it's not, it's, I'm perfectly calm. I've grown used to this. I, this is my life right now. This happened to me and I'm okay with it. I'm just going to learn and do the best I can to get better. But my body inside is doing something that I have no control over. And it's in an exhaustion stage of stress. So it's, it's difficult. It's difficult. I know it's a, it's a playing game with um, supplements and food and life, and it's just, like I said, it's just all very confusing. But once you get, once you know what's wrong with you, once you can put two and two together and start doing the research and start the healing process, it makes it a little bit easier. Yeah, absolutely. You just got to take one step at a time. Have you, right. looked, in, have you looked into adrenal fatigue? Yeah. Talked about yeah. doctor. Okay. Um, I, it's funny. I actually have a follow-up appointment with my functional medicine doctor Friday because I ended up getting a blood test where she, oh, I don't know the correct term, but it literally goes right into your tissues because I want to know why I can't eat a bowl of spinach without having my vitamin K. I'm susceptible to blood clots, and that scares me. Um, I could see, like I said, if I took a supplement or took a lot of vitamins and I just had to stop that, but just simply from eating, that's my next answer that I want to get just because, like I said, I'm 53 years old. I hopefully have a few more years in me. I don't want to live afraid to have a piece of spinach because I can start feeling numb and tingly and be, being, you know, afraid to get a blood clot in my leg. Um, and that's where my legs hurt the most. I constantly think I have blood clots in my leg because they get so achy and sore right in the calves of my leg. Um, and I'm certainly not running off to the doctor every time, you know, that happens. So I just, I just, hopefully the test that she took and Friday is my next hope. I don't even call it an appointment anymore. I call it hope because I just, she said to me, we're going to work together on this. You're not a normal case. 
and we'll get through this together. We'll both learn from each other, which is positive in a way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great that you have a guide and you have someone who's working with you. And it sounds like she's not the type of person who's going to fire you from her practice if you don't do what she says, like that she's having a conversation with you and that you're a human and not, not someone, not a drug consumer. Exactly. And she completely understands it. I also, I forget if I mentioned, found out um, that I have the MTHFR gene mutation, which seems to be pretty common amongst Roxy's as well. So that obviously has a lot to do with it. She's teaching me a lot about that. And once we get these final results from these two um, two tests that I have, it's been six weeks that I had to wait. Um, she's going to start helping me with that. And I can't even pronounce the words of the minerals we're supposed to take for that. Like I said, I forget everything so easily now. But um, she also found out that my thyroid, I went to an endocrinologist for a year and a half on my goiters who said my thyroid was fine. And she found that I had absolutely no T3 and started me on a compound T3 because there was some things I couldn't have in it, like corn and other things. So um, I've been on that for about six weeks. And honestly, she said, you're either going to feel really horrible or you're going to feel really good. And I've been feeling pretty good. Good. So I'm hoping to start. Yeah, like not having any T3, that'll make you feel horrible. The pharmacist, when I picked up my compound medicine, he said, if you don't have any T3, you really can't even survive. And my endocrinologist just, he was so insulting to me. Um, Like I said, I go back to him every six months to check how big the goiters are. And whenever he asks me how I am, I'll tell him everything. And I don't start off by saying I've been poisoned by a fluoroquinolone. I go in and say, I'm dizzy, I'm numb, I'm nauseous. And he tried to give me steroids. He tried to put me on hormones. He tried to put me on salts, medicine, pills. And all he ever said to me was, don't look at the side effects. Don't worry about it. And I said, why are you putting me on this? Well, it might make you feel better. And once again, I'm not afraid to say to a doctor, no. And I said to him, no, I, I apologize, but I'm not going on these if I don't need them. You don't understand everything else that's wrong with me. So I'm in the middle of that decision, whether to go back to him to check my goiters I have to go back in the, in the wintertime, but he, he doesn't want to listen to me. I brought the, the brochures in about fluoroquinolone toxicity, and he literally just threw it back at me. So it's, so it's so bizarre. Just that, that attitude of all drugs are good, they don't have any side effects, all side effects are lies. You know, like just that, I don't know where they're getting that from and it's just such a bizarre attitude to have and also the attitude of oh well I'm not sure what's wrong but we'll throw prednisone at it like prednisone is a serious drug and sometimes it's necessary I'm not going to say that prednisone is an evil drug or anything like that but it is a serious drug that has serious side effects and you don't just throw it at someone because you think it might make them better. Like there needs to be some sort of evidence and some sort of research that makes you think that they, that that might be the right course of action. Like and it's, they it's not like a, you know, get fresh air and sunshine and exercise type of prescription. <laughs> like, exactly. It's serious. It could, it could hurt you. It could kill you even. And he didn't have the evidence for it. And he didn't, and, and he said, I wanted to do a steroid. And I said, do you even realize what a steroid would do to me? And I said, that's how I got here in the first place. And 
you wait six months to see them, you pay your pretty high token, and they give you three minutes of their time, and you're gone, and it's so discouraging. Um, so I am just so lucky that, like I said, I found a functional medicine doctor. Um, so we'll see. Right now I'm back to hoping that her and I together can make me at least be a functioning human being. I mean, like I said, I'm a thousand times better than I was a year and a half ago, but I'm still not right. I still am afraid to drive. Um, I'll drive to the corner store if I have to, but I also had to give up a lot of things. I had to give up our second car so I don't have a car. We had to sell our home, things like that, you know, to pay for medical bills. So right. our whole life has changed. And, and I'm a very positive person, so I don't feel bad for myself. I'm perfectly happy with the change. I always look on the bright side of life, if you want to say that. Um, so it doesn't bother me. You know, it was time. Our kids were grown and gone and things are just changing. Um, I do have a, I do have a problem with the guilt I feel of being sick. You know, I don't know if you've ever come across that, but that's, that's big to me that I need to get over. Yeah. I think a lot of people feel a lot of guilt and shame over being sick. I think that that's really common and, and, and. You know, I, I wish that I could say something to to alleviate it. You know, we we all know that guilt and shame are useless emotions, but it's really hard to get rid of them. You right. know, and and I I think that I think that it's healing, to tell you the truth, to do what you can to just let those emotions go, to let go of the guilt and shame because this is not your fault. Well, I'm very lucky. Like I said, my family and friends have been amazing. My family and friends here, my family and friends back home in Boston, I can't even tell you how much they have done for me and been there for me. So that helps a lot. I mean, they're just, they just keep saying, I want my old Kim back. I want my old Kim back. And I said, she'll be back one day. Don't worry. You know, girls weekends away that I haven't been able to do things like that. Um, And I I actually just told them today, I said, "I'm, I'm getting close to it. I'm getting close to it. Yeah. So, like, um, what else do you think has, has helped? Like, what, what type of advice would you have for someone who is just saying, like, yes, that's my story. Like, I'm just like Kim. Like, what, what else do you think people should do? It's hard to say because, look, when I first started all of these supplements, when I, when I got my reports and it said, your vitamin D is... 20, you know, really low. I never took vitamin D. I live in Florida, but I really don't go out in the sun that much, believe it or not. And um, just learning those things and supplementing myself. Um, time, I'd say time, because I see people who are newly flopped and they have so many questions and they want to take so many supplements and they want to do so many things. And they're lucky they found out soon. Like I said, it took me almost nine, ten months to even put it together. And I I always think if I found this earlier and took some magnesium or activated charcoal or something to detox myself, would I have not have been so seriously ill? Um, but I think just time, sleep, sleep. Like I said, I was never a person who sat still. And now I take a nap every afternoon. I haven't worked. Um, I can't. The business I was in, it's really hard for me to find another job in any other kind of business. And I could never go back to what I did. I, I drove all day. I, I couldn't handle that. My body's still not ready to work full time. My mind is definitely not ready. So as much rest as you can get, as much support as you can get, as much information as you can get and retain is really helpful. What, I'm sorry, what was that? 
as much information as you can really get and then just retain and, you know, research. Right. Um, so I really, I guess I really don't have an answer as to how to get better because I'm still not there yet, but I'm trusting my supplements, my tests, my food, my diet, um, and plenty of rest and positive, positive attitude. I think it's the best thing you can do. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that's, that's really sound, sound advice, you know, time, rest, be patient with yourself, get support. Those, those are healing things that, mm-hmm. that do, that do help people and, um, su- supplement wisely, especially with, with some tests behind you. I, I think it's really interesting that your B6 and vitamin K were very high, especially because I have recently heard doctors saying on podcasts that like, oh, you can't, you can't get too much vitamin B6. Oh, you can't get too much vitamin K2. Like there's, there's just, it, like it's almost impossible to get too much. And it's really interesting to hear that your levels were just off the charts. And that really speaks to the, the fact that everyone is different and it really probably is best to get your levels of all of these things tested and really make sure that, that you supplement, you know, speaking to the audience, not to you, Kim, but, but that, that everyone supplements according to their, to their own results and not necessarily what helped someone else. And, and introduce them slowly and see how they make you feel. I think I started on eight different supplements, and it took me almost eight weeks to, ha- you know, start taking them all. And so I could tell all of them, I felt okay on most of them. When I took the magnesium, I literally felt like I did a year and a half ago. My husband even said to me, you were better before you started all of these supplements. And I understand that it's helping me detox a little bit. Um, but I know that the magnesium she gave me and told me to take, I haven't taken. And when I do, I don't feel well. So I have to have a discussion with her whether it's the wrong kind of magnesium or if my body just doesn't need magnesium. Or my main concern is all these supplements I take, am I getting toxic on those if I get toxic just from food? That's my biggest issue and question I have for myself right now. Right. That's a big concern, and that's a very valid concern. Yeah. And it is, it's unheard of. It's unheard of. I, I used to joke around before I even got sick. I used to joke around saying I was going to write a book, Kim's World, Enter If You Dare. Uh-huh. And now now I really think I'm going to write it because nobody else eats spinach and gets toxic vitamin K. But I'll figure out why and I'll... It'll be chapter 14 in my book. <laughs> right, you should. You should. That would be that would be wonderful. You know, you're just taking taking a break to write a book. Exactly, getting my mind off of it. Right. Like, I think that that's a, a wonderful thing to do, you know, whether it focuses on the fluoroquinolone toxicity or like lessons learned or helping people uh-huh. or just, you know, Kim's, Kim's crazy world. That sounds like a wonderful idea. Exactly. Yeah. Well, fa- fantastic. Is there anything else that you would like to say before we, we wrap up? Um, no, I don't think so. I just want to thank you again for all your work. Um, I'm so happy that this is getting out there in the public. I think in the last six months to a year, it's just becoming more and more 
talked about, um, and that makes me really happy. So thank you for all your work and everything you do to help with that. Oh, it's it's my pleasure to do what I do. Like the media coverage lately has just been amazing. It's it been it's been a, just a flood of media attention, and I really hope that it continues. Like I think it's bound to ebb and flow a little bit, and that we got like this huge surge. Um, but I I hope that it stays at the forefront of people's minds, and that it doesn't just fade to the background. And I hope that that people are really gain a lot of awareness, and doctors start to really think twice before they prescribe a topoisomerase interrupter as an antibiotic when something safer would do. I think they will. I, I, I'm not sure about the doctors, but I know that more and more patients are refusing the antibiotics because of what they've heard and what they've read. And that's, so, and that's even more important. You know, the it, patients are the ones who are, are, who are putting something in their body, <laughs> you know? It, I know a lot of my friends have thanked me for letting them know because I'll flood my Facebook page with all kinds of information. And I always say, you know, if you don't want to see it, just defriend me. But so many of them have thanked me because they stopped their mother from taking this or stopped someone from taking it. And it's better safe than sorry. It is a needed drug, but it's not needed like they are giving it out. So that makes me happy that that's happening. People right. are more aware. Yeah, one person at a time, you know, like it, it breaks my heart to think of someone that I know and love getting getting hurt. And I've had just random people from high school that I'm Facebook friends with say, you know, should I take this? Should I not take this? And, and asking me questions when they get prescribed an antibiotic. And it's really, it's really an honor to hear that people are listening. Yes, and I think it's great. It's great. Yep, I, I do. I do too. Well, on that note, um, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please spread the word and uh, scream from the rooftops to people about the dangers of, flor of fluoroquinolones. Like, as, as Kim has shared with us, they can, they can just be devastating. So, um, have a wonderful night and thanks for listening to Foxy Hope.